And I was like, how am I going to survive this? I don't know. I have to spend all night in here. So I just essentially got in my little zone where I was supposed to lay down. And the girl next to me was like, don't worry if I spoon you tonight, which I had never met her before. And I'm like, this is so uncomfortable. This is the Final Girl Morning. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 382. In 1984, New Zealand's Prime Minister Rob Muldoon got drunk and decided to spontaneously call a general election. He lost. It's no secret if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time that one of my dream trips is to camper van around New Zealand. And that's why I'm super excited to talk to today's guest, Lindsay Newburn, because she wrote a book all about that. But whether I go in a 19-foot camper or a 23-foot camper or a 40-foot RV, I don't care how big it is inside, I will still be packing in just a carry-on. And that is because I do not want to have a lot of stuff with me. No matter how I'm traveling, whether it's an RV or whether it's a road trip in a regular car or whether I'm flying around the place or backpacking, doesn't matter. I don't want to carry a lot of luggage. And that's why I love my Tortuga backpacks. They've got a ton of options over there for you, including a backpack that is now made specifically for women. You can check all that out at tortugabackpacks.com slash epop. Don't forget, new way to get 10% off anything you order over there. You have to go to tortugabackpacks.com slash epop. And when you check out, that will put a coupon code into your cart and you will get 10% off anything you order. TortugaBackpacks.com slash epop. And of course, if I'm packing in just to carry on, that means the biggest, hardest issue that most people have when they try to get a lot of luggage into a little carry-on is the idea of shoes. Thankfully, we have solved that issue for ourselves and for you, the absolute best travel shoes out there. And listen, guys, I wear them even when I'm not traveling. I've been wearing them all summer long. Whether I'm traveling, whether I'm not, they're called Suaves, S-U-A-V-S. You could check it out at suaves.com. Unisex for males and females. They got a bunch of colors over there. I prefer the marshmallow color, which is white. I also have a pair of the navy blue ones. That looks really sharp as well. Whatever color you want, you could check it out, suaves.com. And you can use our special code EPOP and you will get 15% off anything you order. So if you're looking for the best travel shoes, Look no further. Suaves, S-U-A-V-S dot com. Use the promo code EPOP. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who has been featured on HGTV's Tiny House Hunters, who camper vanned New Zealand and wrote a book about it, and who started her latest project when she realized chatting with her husband was awkward, Lindsay Newburn from NewVentureTravels.com. Lindsay, thanks for joining me and a huge welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about what it's like to be full-time digital nomads for the last four years. We're going to definitely talk about camper vanning New Zealand. Uh, selfishly, I'm going to be picking your brain about that, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about your new travel game called 501 Questions. And of course, we're going to do travel tips and tricks for cheap travel and also travel mishaps. But the thing I love about your story, and when you, you sent me over the bio, I thought this was awesome because... Like most people, right? You were on a ferry without Wi-Fi, and that's how all great stories start. So tell <laughs> us a little bit about that. So my husband and I were in Greece, and we were traveling Europe, and we had a four-hour ferry ahead of us. And normally when we have you know, a travel situation like that, we try to get work done, so we had plans. And then when we got on, there was no Wi-Fi, and we just felt lost and it's embarrassing but we just looked at each other like okay well now what and we really didn't have anything like to talk about and 
that was a terrible feeling. And I just realized we had been turning to our electronics and our phones for entertainment in travel's dull moments. And uh, I wanted to fix that. And it ended up being one of the best conversations we've ever had. I mean, four hours turned into us dreaming of what was ahead for us, what we wanted to, you know, accomplish together. And so I created this book of conversation starters to make more memories during travel's dull moments instead of scrolling our phones, you know, that's so boring. So, yeah, I think we all fall in that trap. I, I always say to Heather, it's funny, we'll go out to dinner on a date and it doesn't happen as often as we like, but let's say we go out on a date and we're sitting there not talking and I look around and I think, what are people thinking about us, right? I mean, they might not know that we spend, you know, all our time together. We've been talking all day about business and travel and all this, but I just look around and I always think, man, people must feel bad for us because we have nothing to talk about. So we need to bring your game out even when we go out on dates, I guess is what I'm saying. I know. And that's one thing that you don't think about when you want to, when you're dreaming of traveling together or working on things together, you're together all the time and then you never have anything to talk about or update each other on. And yeah, I totally agree with you. And I always used to say to myself like I never want to be in a relationship where we have nothing to talk about but Adam and I are there sometimes and um so now we do pull out the the book during our dinners and date nights so yeah I mean I think and I think that's natural right like I love the way that you put it you you were embarrassed by the fact that you guys didn't have anything to talk about but I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation especially when you have been traveling for a while you're working together you know or or you just even live together and and stuff becomes routine and and we usually then the way we get past that is we're yeah we're hopping on our phone we're hopping you know we're turning on the tv we're doing all that kind of stuff to to fight against that boredom and yet you have someone sitting right next to you who even if you know well you might not know as well as you think and so i think that that game brings it out why don't we all right why don't we start because you told me right before we recorded you're like i've got four you have 501 questions in this book so we're not gonna uh -huh. we're not gonna do all 501 <laughs> guys don't worry but i think it'll be cool you said that you had four you had picked out four questions that you wanted to ask me so why don't we give people a little bit of a taste of what is in the book and what are some of the questions what some of the questions are like okay so my first one for you is a would you rather question um, and my question for you is, would you rather have an extra pack of peanuts or something different like Oreos or Cheez-Its or that, that? All right. That's easy. Good one. Uh, definitely would rather have Oreos. I'll take cookies over peanuts any day. So, yeah, <laughs> and like, you know, on Southwest, they come around with like Fritos. Then I forget there's there's little like shortbread cookies. And then they always want to give you peanuts too. I'm like, no, no, no. Just give me uh like, I don't tell them, hey, this is the name of my psychs. I don't want to. Yeah, I'm just like, give me the cookies. Cookies and Fritos, I'm good with. Okay, I'm a cookie person too. That's funny. Okay. Awesome. Then um, another form of question in the book is if you could. So I have another if you could question for you. And I made these for you so I could get to know you better. Awesome. Okay. So these are, these are not these are in the book or the format or theme is in the book, but these are specific questions for me. All right, cool. I like that. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Some <laughs> prep work done here. Yeah. So the categories in the book are, would you rather, if you could tell me about, and then trivia. So I did some questions for you. So the, if you could one is, if you could share a travel experience um, with your son in the future, what would it be? Oh man. Um, I think the travel experience that I would share with him first would be the uh, the trip that I took to the country of Georgia, um, only because for me, uh, going somewhere that remote and that off the beaten path was something that I hadn't done before, or at least not to that degree. And so I would either take him there um, to show him just the pure natural beauty of a country that that many people have don't even know exists let alone could point out on a map um yeah i think that's what i would do and, and that and they love like they love tourists or, or people coming through their country and uh, i have a good friend there who also has two kids so i think that would be really fun oh that's awesome so you have that support while you're there but yeah. also showing him a place that isn't a tourist destination really exactly Adam and I say we really want to take our future kiddos to New Zealand on a camper vanning trip because we saw so many European families 
bringing their newborns and, you know, toddlers. And in America, we just don't do that as often or think that's as possible as it really is. So yeah, and to that point, interestingly enough, we do have plans. And this is why I want to pick your brain even more is the fact that we have plans in January 2020 to go down to New Zealand and camper van around. So I will be showing him that I mean, you know, as long as everything <laughs> goes okay, uh, we will be taking him around. And I think you're right that that that's an adventure that a lot of people take because I think it's almost tailor-made for traveling with a family. Of course, you can do it as a solo person or as a, as a couple, but that's a trip that is is easier with a family than some other trips because you're kind of self-contained in a camper van. You've got your stuff with you. You can go around. You know, you're not schlepping like big stuff through 10 airports and hopping on small flights and stuff like that. You kind of have everything in at once, right? You like contain the chaos in one vehicle and roll around New Zealand. Sounds pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. And New Zealand makes travel so easy. They have apps that tell you where toilet public toilets are, where you can get water, electricity, Wi-Fi. They have everything. So Awesome. Good to know. <laughs> um, okay, my next question for you uh, is tell me about why Uruguay and Slovenia are your favorite countries, even though you haven't been to them. Or have you yet? Okay, so yeah, so that... A Okay, I have been to one. So I have been to Slovenia. I haven't been to Uruguay. Um, why are they my favorite countries? G kind of. All right. So both of them for, I guess, a similar reason. They are places that, and you'll see a theme here, are like off the beaten path a little bit. Um, I grew up like, well, not grew up, but I remember being in my like college years. And I had a friend who traveled around Europe a lot. And he used to tell me about this place. He's like, oh, yeah, this place called Lublana. And, you know, you can't spell it. It's like there's a lot of J's and L's in there. I had no idea what it was, but he was talking about Slovenia. And he, to me, I was like, this is cool because it's Europe, but no one's going there or not a lot of people going there. You know, he's not saying, hey, it's cool to go to Paris or it's cool to go to London. He's telling me about this place. And it just seems so exotic in my mind because I had never heard anyone else to talk about it. And kind of a similar reason with Uruguay is like, uh, you know, you have your sandwich between Brazil and Argentina. So if you're talking about the tourist destinations or the big countries in South America, you know, those are probably your two, well, your two biggest as far as bringing people in and people knowing about Brazilian culture and Argentinian culture and Buenos Aires is so popular. And of course, Rio and all that is so popular. And they've got this tiny little country sandwiched between them. And I just thought, all right, yeah, I want to go to Buenos Aires. I want to go to Argentina. I want to go to Brazil. But who says, like, I want to go to Uruguay? And yet, it's probably just as cool, and I haven't been yet, so I can't speak from experience, but just as neat, just as fun, um, have the same type of stuff going on, but just a little more off the beaten path. And so that's why those two started sticking out in my mind. And then last year, we did get to go to Slovenia, which was great, and actually blew away my expectations, which is I think hard to do sometimes, right? When you have these big expectations of a place and then th they blow it away. But yeah, both of them seem to just pack a punch for small countries and often get overlooked. So I kind of like that. I like the the underdog feel of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, okay, which this leads me into my next question for you. It's travel trivia. All right. Do you feel like you're good at trivia? I, I love travel and I feel like I'm probably better at travel trivia than most other trivia, like pop culture. If I'm if I'm at Quizzo, I know nothing about pop culture, movies, anything like that. Travel I might have a shot. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so actually I have two trivia questions for you. What country is known as the sunny side of the Alps? The sunny side of the Alps. Wow. Okay. I, it, your one trivia question on your site was, what country is the land of smiles? And I was like, oh, I knew that. So I was hoping you'd ask that one. Um, uh, the sunny <laughs> side of the Alps. I Let me guess and just say Italy? Close. It's Slovenia. Okay. Well, I should have gotten that. And, <laughs> and I was trying to think, like, what's on the eastern side and I was like, well, maybe it'll leave me sleeping. Okay, cool. I should have got that. Now I'll never forget it. Okay. Now, which, what country is known as the land of smiles? Because people are probably wondering now. If I they know, don't know. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, did I just mess this up? Because I've, I cannot decide between Thailand or Indonesia. I'm going to go with Thailand. 
Correct. All it's right, very yeah. good. That was like my first instinct. I'm like, I shouldn't have said that because if I get it wrong, uh, I like that you held my feet to the fire on that. You didn't let me just say it and gloss over it. Well, you were good. You got it. All right. Okay. My last one for you, since you like to do travel hacking stuff is how much did the first airline ticket cost? Oh, wow. Oh, man. This is a pure guess. I absolutely have no idea. But I love this. Uh, I'm going to guess $6,300. That's really good guess. Um, so it was $400, which is equivalent to about $10,000 today. And the first flight was in 1914 for... And it was flying from St. Petersburg, Florida to Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Can you imagine $10,000 to just go across Florida? Yeah, um, I think it took like 18 minutes. So, <laughs> awesome. Well, you did awesome. I'm really impressed. Hey, one for three, right? I mean, hey, one for three. <laughs> yeah. Can't go play with that. I put you on the spot, though. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you. And I, I, I think that gives people an idea of what's inside the book. And my question for you, since it's now time for me to flip it around, is you have 501 travel questions so why 501 is that you like ran out of steam at like 490 and you're like i'm gonna get to 501 or you know what was the method to that madness that's a great question i think i felt like a thousand and one was too much uh but i wanted you know there to be enough where you could it felt like you there were so many that you could always come back to it. And I also wanted it to be like left out anywhere and anyone could pick it up no matter your age and start a conversation. Um, so my goal was 501 questions. I, with each category, you know, for a couple weeks, I just did seven questions a day that I came up with and yeah, listed them out. So did you that? Yeah. I'm trying to think I mean, 501's a lot. And so I'm I'm guessing that I would have a very, very hard time. I don't know what number I would start to, you know, run out of ideas, run out of steam. Did you come to points where you thought, I have nothing else to put on here? And then, because I think my brain would work, I'd run out of steam or I'd run out of stuff. And then I'd come up with one new question and then that would like snowball and it'd like spur off, you know, five, 10, 15 other things and then it'd go dormant for a little bit. Did you find that to be the case? Yes, absolutely. And I was constantly testing out my questions on family and friends. Um, and then they would come up with a question and then that would start something. Um, my husband and I also really like to do trivia nights. So that would spark ideas um, and other conversations too. So, and actually my question my question list started when we very when we first started traveling um, in 2014. We were on a road trip, and my husband got tired of my questions, so I just started <laughs> typing out all my questions I would want to ask him. And um, what's amazing is four years later, when I wrote this book, I had very similar questions that you know I I was starting to ask or write down. So. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, 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 I love that. In the same way. Yeah, I love that he got sick of it. And you're like, all right, well, I'm still curious. So I'm just going to write it down and ask you later. Um, if you're sick of me now, that's fine. Uh, let's put it on hold. I think that as travelers, and, and I'm much the same way, you know, I just want to know everything. I'm super curious. You know, if you're the tour guide for our walking tour or whatever, I, I feel bad for you because you're going to probably have more questions asked of you than you would for like the previous 10 tours combined, because I want to know everything. Um, and I think that insatiable curiosity at times can lead other people around us, right, to be like, okay, enough's enough. So I like that you at least said, all right, I'm going to give him a break, but it's gonna, there's going to be an outlet. I'm at least going to write these down and get people talking. Yeah, and I can tell from your answers that that is something that's a part of you is your curiosity by wanting to go to these places that a lot of people don't go to or don't know about. So that's cool to learn about you. Yeah, I, I think that is... It is fascinating that with a couple questions, like listening to a person's answer for one or two or three questions can probably tell you a lot more about them than the pleasantries you ex exchange that are common, right? Like, hey, how you doing? Where you're from? This and that. And you're, 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 you know, you're kind of 10 minutes into a conversation before you start really diving a little deeper, maybe. And yet, 
if you have this book, and, and you can tell me if this was one of the points of it, if you have the book, not only are you diving deeper with people that you already know, but you can kind of start getting below that surface level stuff right away with these questions. Oh, yeah. And I constantly, you know, Adam and I have been together for 10 years, and I constantly learn new things about him. Also, um, my grandma was in the hospital a lot this year, so I was taking questions to her. And we were having new conversations. And even I was realizing the people that, you know, I know, I feel like I know the best. There's so much more to uncover and cool conversations to have and stories to hear. And yeah, so it's been really special having these questions. Yeah. What did people think, talking about friends, family, and, and people around you, what did people think when you guys decided to start out on this journey? Because you mentioned it's been about four years or over four years now that you've you've been digital nomads, you've been location independent and been traveling around some of that in New Zealand, some of that in the US, some of that in Southeast Asia. What was the feedback and, and perception when you decided that you guys were going to to take off and do this? Well, we didn't have a plan. And so we had just saved and we felt like we should leave midsummer in 2014. Things kind of just evolved into that. And my parents were really concerned <laughs> and were, uh, you know, very wary um, and were like, what are you doing? You know, taking all this money you've saved up and just traveling, like, shouldn't you put it, you know, somewhere safer or, you know, more responsible. Um, but we just had this dream and, and it was tough. You know, the first, I remember calling home to friends and family, um, you know, within the first couple of months we were traveling and just feeling really lonely because they didn't get it. Uh, we were experiencing all these new and exciting things. Um, and also Lowe's too, you know, figuring stuff out and they, they didn't understand. Um, so the first, I would say the first year was kind of lonely for us. Um, and our friends thought it was cool, but it turns out while we were traveling on the road, a lot of our good friends ended up being retired people who had similar <laughs> schedules and they were like, yes, travel now, like do it before you have kiddos, um, and do it while you're young. And so we, we took their advice and, and kept going. Um, so yeah. But slowly, like our family started to see the freedom we had, um, the things we were learning and experiencing and, you know, maturing, and they became our biggest, you know, fans of what we were doing. So, yeah, sometimes it is that whole like show don't tell mentality. And of course, your parents and the people close to you are going to be the most worried when you when you take off into like an unconventional life or into something that they either haven't done or haven't seen people do and, and don't know what, you know, they just don't know what's going to happen to you on the other end. They don't know what it's going to look like for you four, does, four years down the road. Whereas, you know, had you stayed in in your jobs and done, you know, boom, 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 they're like, oh, we feel safe knowing that they're going to be this way four years. But then it, it is neat to see that shift when they realize you're okay. They realize that you're seeing stuff and doing stuff that is lighting you up and making you excited and helping you grow. And then I, it is neat when you see other people come to that realization that you're coming to while traveling, they're realizing, Hey, this is something that's making my son, my daughter, you know, really excited, really happy and, and ultimately leading their best life while doing this. And then they come to that realization. They're like, Hey, this is pretty cool. And, and sometimes that even leads them to go off and do some stuff that they might not have done. Absolutely. Yeah, that's been cool to and it it it's encouraging to have their support too, you know. So, absolutely. If you don't mind me asking, how much did you guys save to begin with? And and then you said you didn't have a plan set in place, but was there a rough idea of, hey, we have this much saved, we think we're going to travel for x amount of time. So, the day we got back from our honeymoon, we sat down and we created a system for ourselves to start saving money. We had no idea when we would leave. We just wanted to start saving for this long-term trip. And when we said long-term, we thought it would be two years just going without working um, and traveling. And we had a list of ideas of where we wanted to go, but we that was just 
ideas. Um, so our system of saving was we kind of followed Dave Ramsey's lead um, with the envelope system where you budget out everything and you put your money in envelopes and every dollar has an intention. And, and um, we ended up saving our our emergency fund first. So that was like six months worth of our expenses first. Then we paid off our debt, which I think was like 8,000 for leftover um, student debt plus I think my car. And then we started putting money towards our, um, our travel fund and we ended up saving 31,000 for to travel. And, and Um, how long was that? How long did it take you to save that 31,000? I would say 18 months. Okay. So you guys were pretty, you're pretty strict. You're pretty, you know, you're saying like, all right, we 18 months to saving 31,000 is, is no joke, right? That's like a, that's a good chunk of money. And then you would like, how then did you come to the realization then that, Hey, it's time for us to take this trip. Was it because you hit a certain number? Like was the number 30 grand? All right, once we hit that, we're going to go. Or was it timing because of other things that happened in your life? It was, a three things happened all at once. That was like, okay, it's now or never. Um, one of Adam's family members passed away and we went home and we realized life is short. Uh, we need to live it to our fullest. And, um, a friend, then also a friend totaled one of our, or Adam's truck. And so we got that insurance check. He was okay, thankfully, (laughs) Um, but we got that insurance check and that went into our travel fund. Um, and, and then we went down to one car and then there was one more thing that, Oh, Adam got fired (laughs) two weeks before he was supposed to give his notice. He got fired. So we were like, okay, this is it. Um, but one of the things that really helped us out with our budget was we didn't add up all of our expenses first. We decided how much we wanted to try to save. And then we fit our expenses to the remainder. So at that point, we decided, hey, let's try to save half of our income. Um, and I feel like that was really awesome because we were able to live off of one of our incomes. So in the future, we were used to living off one income if someone got sick, someone got fired, or you know something were to happen. So I think that was a really good setup for us to start our marriage off together, living off of one income and saving the other. So Yeah, and it was neat that you reverse engineered it. Instead of saying like, all right, let's figure out how much we spend, then let's figure out where we can cut back. You're saying, all right, let's start with a big chunk, and then that the cutting back will figure itself out based on how much we have left because you're naturally going to then spend on the things that you have to and anything else frivolous or or that you deem frivolous is not going to have anything left over to to spend on anyway. Yeah. And I remember I only had $10 a week for myself. And so I would, I used to spend at least 12 a day going to get lunch and, you know, um, coffee. And so it makes you prioritize. I'd rather save that to get a coffee with a friend rather than by myself. Um, so yeah. Awesome. And then you guys, so then you, you took off and one of the things that you were able to do, and we talked about this at the top of the show was, was camper vanning around New Zealand. Was that, you know, so now I'm looking at it and I'm saying, all right, well, I know two things about camper van New Zealand, or I think I know two things. These, these might be, (laughs) these might be misconceptions. One, the Wi-Fi, not very good in New Zealand. And two, it's not cheap. So if I'm looking at this from a spectrum of, all right, you have this money and you're going to go traveling, you know, New Zealand would be at the top of the list for countries to not go to if you were trying to stretch your dollar, is at least my perception of it. Was that the case? And it was just, hey, we're going to go here anyway because because this is something huge we want to do? Yes. So we went because that was my number one place I wanted to go to. I wanted to see those crazy, amazing landscapes and they just blew my mind. The landscapes there take your take you to a whole nother world. Like it's just amazing. Um, and the way that we made 
the expenses worked is we bought a camper van instead of renting. You can you can rent a camper van for you know four thousand dollars for a couple months or something, but when you buy one and this is a big way that backpackers do it. You buy one and then you resell it at the end of your trip. So you get your money back. Um, so that's what we decided to do. We had been wondering if we should rent a car, rent a camper van, um, or if we should get bus tickets. But New Zealand has all these amazing places, you know, at the end of dirt roads that, you know, a bus ticket could never take you to. So, um, and then we, in our camper van, we, we went grocery shopping a lot and ate, you know, out of the camper van. So, so all right. So, I, I, in theory, this sounds great, right? All right. Buy the camper van, use it, resell it, and, you know, either break even or lose a little bit of money. And, and again, I know I'm like, I'm saying like, all right, that, that sounds great. But there's probably a lot of mental obstacles to get through. Like, what is, what are the reasons that you hear people saying like, uh, I'd rather just rent it, you know, rather than do go through this process because it is a bit harder to buy one and then have to sell it. You know, you, you have to do that as opposed to just drop picking up and dropping it off. What are, what are those like obstacles that people are like, I don't want to do it that way. And then what's kind of your retort to that? So I would say if your trip is short, like two weeks or a month, I would definitely rent one because that eliminates all, you know, stress of, well, how do I buy one? And how long does it take to sell it? Like, what if I don't sell it? You know, that's, that's stressful. <laughs> but if you have a longer time, like, you know, two or three months, then you may want to, and what, what your budget is, you may want to buy one. I, I, so this was super stressful for Adam and I. So I wrote a guide on how to um, buy a camper van in New Zealand because I wanted. We learned so much, and it was it was more stressful buying a camper van in New Zealand than planning our wedding. And so I wanted to give people like a step by step guide how to do this and like get your road trip started. Um, so for us, it took us a week of full time looking for a camper van to buy one, and then. It took us a week to sell it, but I, the people that have used my guide and several of them are good friends of ours. They, through the guide, they figured out where to buy one before they arrived. So they had that all figured out. So it took less time. Um, so it's all dependent on your budget and your time and what you're willing to, to do. <laughs> so you would, would you say that anything like, like, let's say I'm, I'm looking to go to New Zealand cause I am. And, and I'm saying, all right, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be there. Maybe a month, maybe two. Would you say that anything over a month makes sense then? Like you say, all right, if you're going to go for a month or more, maybe consider buying it. And if you're going to go, you know, for less than that, then, you know, then I would say rent it out. Is that is that a good breaking point? I would say six weeks because if it took us a week to buy a week to sell, that leaves you one month to adventure. Um, you know, without having the stress of, of buying or selling a car, that's always a stressful experience. <laughs> and it depends on how much stress you want to have on your holiday or vacation, you know? So, um, for us, we got the one year visa working visa. So we were in New Zealand for five months okay. um, traveling. So, that worked out for us. And some other friends were there for two months and they bought and sold. So, Okay. So anything over six weeks, people should should start considering buying a van. Now let's go into some of the tips because you said, and I know oh, there's a lot more in your book, but what are the things that you see, like the mistakes people seeing or the things that took you a lot of time that you, that you now say, hey, if you grab this guide, here are some like the quick hits that are going to save you a lot of time, headaches and things like that. My number one tip is to find a mechanic and I share with people how to do that and plan to get a, they call them a pre-check before a pre-check, um, like a hundred point maintenance thing before you buy it. Um, because mechanics over there for tourists, they call these camper vans death boxes because people 
it's their first vehicle they buy when they're young and traveling and um, they don't know what they're doing. So these mechanics will help you out and it's totally worth it. It's like 80 to $120 to get it checked. Um, so I really recommend that. And, and they have specific, you know, websites kind of like Craigslist where you can find them. Okay. So you find a mechanic. Then what about, I mean, it's going to depend on, on people's budget, but what would you say when it comes to like how much people should spend in relation to like, like, would you say, Hey, spend more than you think you need to, to get one that's better. So you, you know, you're actually enjoying your experience. Cause I think that would be an obstacle even for me who, who like you is like, Oh, well, okay. If I can do this and save money or, or not spend a lot of money, I'm in, but I also don't want to be broken down on the side of the road for a week or two out of my 10 week or eight week adventure. I know that's the thing. So I totally recommend spending more, um, to, to make sure you have a good vehicle and then you can sell it for more because other travelers have the same, the same perspective that you do when they arrive. Um, and our friends, my friend Brooke is an amazing interior designer and she made the camper look super cute and they made 2000 more than they, than they bought it for. So that's pretty, and, and you guys did that too, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw on your site that you may have actually made money or sold your camper van for more than you bought it. Yes, we did. We got really lucky with that. I think we made about 800, um, you know, so that went towards all the gas money over there. So and and why yeah. do you think that was that you were able to make money? Because you had it for how long? The five months that you were there, basically? Yes. Mm-hmm. We had it for five months. Um, Adam, we took it to a mechanic once. We made friends with a mechanic in Hamilton, New Zealand. And Adam helped and learned, you know, while he was working on our camper. And then we would you know, we did get insurance. It was only $26 a month. Um, and, and, and when we went to sell it, we had all the information about the maintenance. So people felt safe, like they knew what they were buying. And it was actually a New Zealander and his dog, um, that got the camper after us. So that was cool. Yeah, that is neat. (laughs) So it's staying there and someone's putting good use to it. And I love the idea behind that of, you know, of, not not like reusing. I mean, essentially you're reusing it, but the idea that you say, all right, we're going to come here. We're going to experience this. But because we've put some time and effort in, we're actually, I mean, you're essentially getting paid for your time and effort of, of getting the stuff done and keeping track of it and being able to like tell someone with a clear conscience what to expect when they bought it. So essentially because you knew what was going on with the camper and because you felt comfortable with it, that led someone else to feel comfortable with it and then pay over what you had paid when you first got it. Right, right, exactly. What what would you say in terms of mistakes that people make when they come to New Zealand to camper van? Let, let's specifically say, or, or let's, let's start general. What are mistakes that people make when they're camper vanning New Zealand, whether they have a rental camper van or whether they have their own camper van? Is there stuff that you see people doing you're like, Oh man, you got to do it this way. Like we learn, I mean, five months is a long time to be popping around in a camper van. You guys have learned quite a few tips and tricks. I would say the thing, so we didn't go to the Hobbit place, um, or, and we didn't do some of the big ticket items. That's one way we saved money was, was using hiking as our entertainment. We were hiking every single day and you can hike for free. So (laughs) I really recommend that as a way to save money. And, you know, the, the dreams and the thoughts that we were having on these hikes just took our lives to a whole new place. We could, we realized that anything is possible in New Zealand. And that was a, that was a big moment for us. So, um, yeah, th- that's a way to save money, but also to have a great time in New Zealand. Yeah, what about the mistakes that people make when buying one? So you mentioned the one thing that you would definitely do is get people to a mechanic. Do you see people doing other things that you think, all right, this is going to end out, this might end up bad for them? I think I think the main thing is is not knowing, not getting a mechanic on your team when you're buying a car because 
then you have trouble. We did meet other travelers who, you know, just bought the first thing they saw and then they had to, they had, it broke down on them and then they had to buy another one. You know, they, they didn't get any money from it. So that's the biggest thing, um, is the, is the mechanic piece. And, and I won't have you reveal all your secrets, but is there a place that you would buy? Like, is there, hey, if you buy it in a smaller town outside of the main hubs, it's better. Or, hey, most of the camper vans go, you know, this is a big thing, one way. And so if you pop in up in Auckland, you're going to pay more because everyone's starting there. But if you can get it, you know, down in Christchurch, it's cheaper. Is there, like, did you find anything like that? <laughs> Okay, so that was like a study I had because we stressed out about that so much. Where's the best place to buy and sell? And we think, and I asked friends and other travelers after us what they did. And for us, we bought and sold in Auckland because that's where the majority of the campers are. Um, so you have a better chance of finding one um, and there's more, it's more saturated. But a lot of people from their travel plans, they buy in Auckland and sell in Christchurch. Um, so maybe you could do the opposite. You could buy in Christchurch, go to Auckland, but it also depends on the season. So I don't know. It's very difficult. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be, I, I guess it would be hard to pinpoint one thing, but you found for you, especially for amount of options that Auckland far and away is going to have, I mean, you know, what, one third of the people in the whole country live in Auckland, right? So right. I, it's going to have just so many more things available for any price range or comfort level or, or whatever. And that's where a lot of people fly into too, other travelers. So yeah, one that of the, is a big question you just asked me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the other neat things that you guys have been able to do. So the camper van in New Zealand one, one that I'm specifically interested in. And I, 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 I think like you said, that's top, that was top of your list. Right. And I think for many travelers, Australia, New Zealand, if you're coming from the U S is, is at the top of most people's list because it's, it's so far away. It's so unique. It's so, you know, it, it's exotic in a way uh, while still being pretty feasible if you don't want to go too off the beaten path because speak English, you know, culture, culturally fairly similar. Um, so I'm with you. That's a big thing for a lot of people. Another cool thing that you did, though, that I love and I was loved going through your site because I'm like, oh, man, they've had some pretty crazy experiences in four years was being on a TV show. And I myself have also been on a reality TV show, but I was much younger. So I don't remember there. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you ended up on HGTV's tiny house hunters and like, yeah, how'd you end up on it? And then we're going to get into a little bit of behind the scenes, the stuff that people don't see. Right. Wow. So we ended up on HGTV's tiny house hunters because while we were in New Zealand in a camper van, you know, there's no kitchen, no toilet, and we're living out of the back of a minivan, essentially. <laughs> so, and we did that for five months. And then we met this awesome couple who had this tiny camper, and they invited us in for one night for biscuits and tea. And so they had a tiny camper like us, or the same size, but they had a kitchen, a shower, and a toilet. And I looked at Adam, and I was like, if we if I can do a mini live in a minivan for five months, I can live in a camper. And we knew we were, we were going to be coming back to the U S and I was like, I would love to still travel the U S um, but live in a, in a camper. And so when we returned, we traveled for a year abroad. Um, and then when we returned, we, we, started looking for a camper. But before that we were in Thailand and Adam was like, I wonder if tiny house hunters could help us figure this out. Because when you travel a lot, it's a lot of decision-making, a lot of stuff to figure out. And we were just, we call it decision fatigue. So we connected with tiny house hunters and applied and they were looking for more people um, for their next season. And so thankfully we got approved. The thing, um, it was the thing that's a surprise that was a surprise for us is they didn't help us find one or buy one. They like recreated our buying experience. So we had found our camper before we got on the show. And then, um, and then we, you know, looked at other campers they found for us. So 
Interesting. It was a recreation of the buying experience. Okay, and I just had a, a, a conversation with someone the other day who said that to me. Like, He's like, do you know that they're not actually always like seeing it for the first time? I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, they are. But, I, but I've been on a reality show, so I, I also was like, yeah, wait a second. I remember being, I think I was like 15, uh, and it was called a wedding <laughs> story. It wasn't my wedding, obviously. It was my cousin's. But I remember like I was doing something like, oh, can you do that again? Can you say that again? I'm like, uh, I don't know what I just did. You know, like it, you had a, they weren't always there to, to, to catch it. Right. And so right. he had told me the same thing about these types of shows where he's like, it might not be the first time they're doing this. They might've already found something and they're recreating. It. And I was like, really? So, yes. all right. So you had found, you guys had found a camper and you had, you had already bought a camper and then they used your story to recreate it and show you other ones that, that you might've been interested in. Yes. And they, I have to say they were really good at finding ones that fit us because after we saw the one that they found for me, I was like, wow, I, re I really want that, that tiny house. So you, so after they found that you kind of were like, I would rather have the one they found than the one that we have. Yes. <laughs> but you know, when we started the whole application, we thought that they would help us you know, figure things out and fi and help us find something. Um, but it ended up being a really fun adventure. And I just learned that I really admire people who work in the television industry because, you know, when you look, when you watch a show, you see all these different perspectives, like a close up, one of all, both of us, one of just one of us listening, one of us talking, you know, and that's the same one cameraman getting all those shots. And so, yeah, it it was it was a fun adventure for sure. Yeah, they uh, man, people who work in that industry are run ragged for for sure. And you watch it and you're like, "Oh, it's 22 minutes, you know, with the commercial, like a half hour show, 22 minutes of filming." And you sit back and realize how much effort and time went yeah. into those 22 minutes. It's yes. it's insane. Yeah, that took us 5 days, like 20 minutes took us 5 days of filming all day long, 12 hour days or more. Yeah. Wow. So. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. So you've had your house hunters experience, your tiny house hunters, you camper van New Zealand. Now you're in the U S what do you see as being, I don't want to say the end goal of this, because I guess the, the goal is to travel, but where do you see this type of lifestyle leading? Is it something that you are considering doing indefinitely or do you think there's a bit of a shelf life for the certain type of life that you're leaving leading right now that's a really good question and actually this year my husband adam and i we decided to kind of create a base camp lifestyle for ourselves so while we were traveling we had rented out our home in colorado and this year we returned to our home but we set it up to be airbnb while we're gone so we have the choice to be in our home or to go. Whereas before when we were renting long-term, we, we couldn't go home. So, um, and while we were traveling, it can get pretty lonely without solid community surrounding you. And that is something that I really struggled with. Um, I think Adam, what, it wasn't as hard for him, but for me, like I need girlfriends. <laughs> so, um, it's been amazing to be back in Colorado in our own space, in our own home with familiar people, a familiar place. And, you know, and then, but we've had opportunities to go. And so one of the, one of the reasons why we love this lifestyle is because we've built the freedom to either stay or go. And our families are in Georgia. And so for the holidays, we, we come to Georgia and we get to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas here um, instead of quick three day weekends. And so we're so thankful for that opportunity. Um, and like in the future, we can take long tr road trips if we'd like. So, because um, you, so, you still have the camper, right? Is that? Yes, we do. So maybe this summer we will do the Pacific Northwest. We're, we're not sure. So. And that's one of the things I love about the term location independent versus digital nomad, because digital nomad implies, at least to me, that you are nomadic. So you, you are constantly moving. And the term location dependence means, at least in my lexicon, 
you're not always doing that. You you have the ability to. You could pick up today and go down to Georgia. You could fly to New Zealand. You could do what you wanted, and your life would would still be would still work out. You know because you can work remotely and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean that you that you are always that way. And I like that you said you have you have like a, a base camp, and we call that too. We're like, hey, we have a home base, and it's here in Philly, and we'll travel from here. But we don't. We kind of got sick of that nomadic lifestyle because as you mentioned when you get back to your home area you don't even really feel comfortable then you don't have a place to go you're with friends you're with family great for a little bit of time but certainly not something that we could have sustained years and years and years and years and years um you know indefinitely into the future right absolutely and what we realized moving back to Colorado is we we were surrounded by people who weren't traveling or had the same mentality about life as us. And so we wanted to even continue growing our community of other couples who travel and, you know, have that thought process or idea of what life could be, um, what's possible. And so we actually started getting together with a small group of couples who were traveling and um, the three of us couples decided to create a community called Nomad Collab. And it's for couples to get together and learn from each other on how to build and sustain this lifestyle and what we've all learned. Because yeah, there is a tipping point where you're like, I'm exhausted. I just want somewhere familiar and familiar faces, you know. Um, but you know, what's what is possible in the future is the choice to stay or go or whatever the season holds for you. Life is full of so many different seasons and one season you need something and another season you need something else. So to support each other through that, even through transitions of being home, you know, in the familiar. So, yeah, I started to see that with a lot of people in my friend group, in my entrepreneur friend group, people I didn't know growing up, but had met by doing stuff online was as everyone kind of like you kind of grew out of, hey, I'm just going to travel as much as possible to to more of a home base type lifestyle, base camp type lifestyle. And it was interesting because I didn't think anything of it at first. Like it was, you know, one person did it and then we kind of did it. And then, and then all, before I knew it, it's like all the people that I knew that was tra- were traveling a ton, they're still traveling a lot, but the relationship with travel is different. It's not, um, that's my normal mode is is just always traveling it's hey i've got a home base here i'll travel when i want much like you said so it's you know you go through you go through seasons but i think that for most people that nomadic type existence then does usually find its way into some sort of home base type existence and like you guys uh, um said like you said and like you do setting up your house or your apartment or whatever you have as a potential place that could be rented out is an amazing way to be able to do both because then you say, Hey, if I'm not here, someone could probably make use of it. I can make some money off of it. Um, and to me that, that was when I pushed back against Heather about getting a home base because I was like, how are we going to pay a mortgage and travel? We're travelers. Like, isn't this going against everything that we, that we're thinking and, and talking about? And then I just started to realize, well, she helped me realize, I guess um, <laughs> when we moved back in, I was like, hey, I'm teaching people to do think unconventionally. What about in my life? Couldn't I just rent this house out? Uh, you know, and there's always reasons. No, we can't because of boom, 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 boom. And then sure enough, we got past that and tried it and, and it worked. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's a neat way to have the best of both worlds or at least the best of both worlds right now. And what it seems like both our families enjoy and want out of life at this at this, as you said, season of life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. More choice. More choice. And and you're the one who's choosing it too. That's the big thing. Like you're you're the one who gets to call the shots even if even if those change over over the years. So, out of your 4 years of traveling or or I mean I know you've traveled before that too, but what can you say that you can look back on now and say, "All right, this might not have been fun uh or easy when it happened, but it's an awesome travel mishap story looking back in hindsight." Oh my gosh. This would be our Thailand ferry, overnight ferry experience. Okay. Did y'all do an overnight ferry? Uh, yeah. On Christmas Day, we were supposed to be landing at, it wasn't an overnight ferry, but it was like, you know, bus to this, to that, to that. And we were supposed to be on Kopipi Island at like 9 a.m. Christmas Day. And mm-hmm. instead, we ended up there at 11 
p.m. Christmas Day, so 14 mm-hmm. hours later. So I don't know, but it wasn't the fairy's fault. It was the, uh, well, it was a lot of people's fault, I guess. We should say. So I want to hear yours. <laughs> well, that's quite a memorable Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Heather was not too happy. I, I drank a lot of Chang beer that day. I was like, this isn't the best. We're sitting at a ferry terminal that's pretty gross, uh, like salting away our Christmas with no one else around. Um, yeah. 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 That's one thing I've learned is holidays are really hard away. Um, but our ferry experience was not on a holiday. We did. So overnight ferries are less expensive. That's why we chose to do it. And we it it looks like it could go down in any moment. And the way it's set up is everyone gets a sleeping spot, but they're really tiny. So you're like spooning the people next to you. And um And so I get on and I use the bathroom and there was about like three inch long cockroaches in the bathroom. And I was like, how am I going to survive this? I don't know. I have to spend all night in here. So I just essentially got in my little zone where I was supposed to lay down. And the girl next to me was like, don't worry if I spoon you tonight, which I had never met her before. And I'm like, this is so uncomfortable. So I pass out and I guess I put myself in a coma. And in the morning, Adam was like, if you didn't have me, Lindsay, you would be dead right now because there was a fire in the middle of the night on the boat. And I never woke up. And Adam woke up to everyone running around, screaming, yelling. There was black smoke billowing. Um, and they were all speaking in, you know, another language because we were in Thailand. And I had no idea about it. So now we have our plan of attack um and thankfully they got the fire out but now we have we figure out where are exit points where are the uh, life jackets you know so that that was quite a memorable wake up um and i'm thankful i i never woke up to that and it turned out okay yeah ignorance is bliss really right you're like (laughs) "Ah, i thought that was going to be an awful ferry ride i actually slept pretty well everyone else is looking around like who is this girl she doesn't care about anything wow Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. It only takes one of those experiences to actually decide that you should probably figure it out for next time, right? You're like, all right, yeah. next time I'm going to find the exits. What do you have coming up in the pipeline? What type of travel are you guys going to be doing? Do you have any other projects that people should be aware of? Well, um, we're building Nomad Collab with um, our friends um, from the Money Spark Nomad and Follow Your Detour. Um, so that's just a place for nomadic couples to, you know, have community and learn how to build and sustain this lifestyle together. Um, Adam has a CPA firm called New Venture CPA, and he started and he helps people like us with independent lifestyles that are traveling all over, do their taxes (laughs) and finances. Um, So he was turning people down because he didn't have enough capacity. So I've started helping him with that. So and we have tax season coming up. Um, so that'll be a new adventure for me. I've never helped him out with that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll be really fun and thrilling work. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So next summer, I'm like, I don't know if I want to take a big trip around the Pacific Northwest. Maybe it'll be shorter, a shorter adventure than anticipated. We Maybe just be home, you know. Yeah, and that's the beauty is that is that you can make those decisions as you feel fit, right? And um, I think we all, we can both appreciate the fact that a lot of people uh, and and a lot of people even listening have two, three, four weeks of vacation, maybe. Um, and and thankfully, being able to build a location independent lifestyle allows you to have more than that. And even though it's you know it's different, it's not. I'm not saying it's it's always a vacation anytime you're traveling, but it is. You are able to get out and do stuff. And if you don't want to. You just hang out in Colorado. There's worse places to be. That's for sure. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, thanks so much for joining me today for providing such an easy to follow template for camper vanning in New Zealand. I am, I'm like probably going to nerd out a bit here uh, and I'm probably (laughs) going to see if I can buy one and sell it for more because that just seems like, you know, 
again, like another travel hack or, or like a little game to play, right? It was like, can yes. I get this in salt for more? So thank you for that. I'll be diving into your stuff. And also for making us get off our phones and interact with each other, including our spouses, uh, who sometimes yeah. <laughs> we think we know everything about and probably don't. So thank you for that. Remind people one more time how they can get a hold of you. Where should they go and how can they connect with you? Um, anyone can find us at newventuretravels.com or on Instagram at newventuretravels. Perfect. We will link that all up in the show notes, and that's a new venture, N-U, and then VentureTravels.com. We'll link it all up in the show notes, and you can find that and all the other episodes that we've had over here at the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast over at ExtraPackOfPeanuts.com slash shows. Thanks again, Lindsay. I really, really appreciate it. I th- I'm glad you turned the uh, tables on me a little bit and asked me some questions. I mean, I went one for three in travel trivia, <laughs> so you know, I'll have to work well, on my travel trivia game. You are awesome. I put you on the spot. So thank you so much for having me and being a great sport about it. Hey, I'll always <laughs> answer questions. That's one thing I'm good at. So thank you for popping on, Lynch. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for your continued support that makes us the number one rated travel podcast. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you